1: you're listening to the Jason tails outdoor podcast where when you can't be in the outdoors we bring it to you Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, and Chase is not here for this episode, but we have a guest co-host and my little brother, Duncan. We are fresh off a turkey hunt, and we're going to kind of talk about that trip and how it went. But before we do, we got to thank the people who make this podcast possible. First and foremost, our Patreon supporters. Guys, thank you for choosing to support this show each and every month. The money that goes towards that show helps me make trips to North Georgia, South, you know, Central Florida, all the different things that we're doing. This trip was the gas money largely for this trip came from Patreon dollars, which was absolutely vital. A lot of miles driven on the truck back and forth at a slow pace at, on on steep vertical inclines. And we just burned a bunch of gas and we really appreciate you guys supporting us. Help make those videos possible, make these experiences possible, bring them to you. And I'm currently editing the footage from this past video in or weekend and and it'll be back up shortly but if you don't know what patreon is you want to support the channel get some free gear get added to our marco polo chat community go to patreon. check out the link in the show notes you can go straight there sign up you get free hats free stickers depending on your tier you get thrown into the marco polo chat group where we all share information motivate each other share our stories it's a great little group also if you're looking for some banging turkey hunting camo technical gear for this upcoming fall or deer season, whatever it is that you've got on your radar, check out screegear.com. They're an amazing company. Chasing Tails, 15 promo code, will get you 15% off any regular priced item. And they've got a bunch of sales going on throughout the year, so check them out. Of course, we can't forget Tethered. We have a teach and train coming up this Saturday, May 1st. And if you want to come over, win some free gear, have a blast trying out all of the new Tethered gear. Have a free lunch on us. Check it out. Go find the Facebook group. Sign up. We'd love to have you there. Uh, Shake hands. We're going to be doing a podcast there with everybody. It's going to be a great time. Last but not least, check out Spartan Forge. It is the best deer predictive software that can help you make that best decision. We've all been in the situation before where you can't pick the tree that you want to hunt. You can't pick the the place you want to hunt. Pull up Spartan Forge. See where it tells you to go. Help the tool learn. Help the the tool help you learn. And I guarantee it's going to make you a better hunter especially for deer it is incredibly specific uh, i really enjoyed using it and, and, and testing it this past fall it predicted every time right where the bucks that we killed this year we're going to be precisely not the exact location but the type of area you needed to target so check it out and if you want to use the promo code chasing tails and you can get a lifetime membership price of 19 dollars. now that doesn't sound incredible until you really factor in that by the time the whole software is ramped up it's going to be a $70 annual price but if you use that promo code today you get locked in at life for $19 a year you really can't beat it go check them out go check and and see what they've got coming out because they've got some awesome app features that are about to pop and it's going to be an awesome thing so with that all out of the way gosh it took me like four and a half minutes to get that all out of there Duncan, dude, you and I tried this once in a cabin. We had some motorcycles come by, so we're redoing it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. You're a little remote this time, so I don't get to look across the table and talk to you. But, um, man, we had a really good time chasing gobblers in the North Georgia mountains.
2: Uh, we had a phenomenal time, dude. It, it was so much fun.
1: Yeah, man. And I appreciate you uh, fighting the... The mountain wi-fi guys you can probably tell that the audio isn't the clearest and i apologize for that but uh, they don't believe in 2021 internet or data standards in the mountains and so uh, as a result we, we
2: don't believe in wi-fi actually they, that's
1: right that's right yeah
2: <laughs> Ethernet's yeah. the only way up here yeah.
1: <laughs> they're stuck in 2008 2009 so uh the, you know the audio isn't quite right but you know guys it's it's the merit of the conversation i think you're going to enjoy today's discussion um we, we had a really good time chasing birds in an area that um, is unfamiliar, was unfamiliar to me that posed some very unique challenges, and we're not going to go into the, the infinite details of the hunt because that's better served watching the YouTube video, um, but uh, Duncan, let's kind of give everybody a bio on you real quick. You're my little brother, 19 years old, not an avid hunter. I would say you're a small game enthusiast, but... Uh, you're, you're a diehard fisherman but lately you've taken up hunting as an interest kind of give everybody a, a rundown as to where that evolution has you know really come into fruition
2: uh you're asking for the origin story on why I'm starting to really enjoy hunting
1: yeah kind of kind of why you why you're starting to dip your toes into it because I think it's a unique perspective yeah uh,
2: well you know I, I guess I was always a little little high energy as you like to point out and uh, where we hunted and how we hunted in the past was very still and always in a tree stand, or if we were on the ground, we weren't moving. And that just really didn't didn't appeal to a nine-year-old Duncan. So I, I kind of took a step away from it and didn't really get into it until this year. And this year we went on that pig hunt down in South Georgia and it was everything hunting could have been for me in my dreams growing up. And it's it kind of just had me like a, like a fish on a hook, man.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because that, that pig hunt to me, uh, was relatively novel. Maybe novel is not the right word It was relatively standard, right? For me, I've chased pigs a lot. I've done a lot of that before. So for me, what that hunt represented was, you know, one of the first hunts that you and I really went on and, and I felt like you enjoyed the hunt. And that was special to me because we laughed we had a great time and we came away from that hunt saying, God, what a great time. and, and, and not every hunt's going to be like that. Sometimes they're going to suck, right? Weather's going to hit you. It's not going to be as good a time, but it was just really nice to have that moment where my passion crossed over into your passion. And because, you know, we're brothers, we get to share that experience for the first time. And, and, and predominantly our outdoor experience has always been fishing and maybe going after a squirrel. Um, So
2: fishing small game or not having a good time.
1: Right. And, And I think if, I think if I was, if I was going to attempt, if I was going to postulate what you needed from a hunt, was you needed a sense of adventure. You needed um, yes. not nonstop action from a game animal perspective, but nonstop action as in we're constantly doing something. We're building a story. There is a sense of exploration and, 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 and adventure. That's really the right word, I think, uh, to the hunt. And, and sitting in a pre-built blocks blind for, you know, eight hours in the fall, you know, hoping a deer comes by admittedly uh we did it very poorly i think there were higher areas to set you know higher percentage areas we could have for set sure. up and seen more um sure. but but that didn't provide that sense of adventure for
2: you no and i, I think you really hit it, the nail on the head when you were talking earlier in the intro about how um we, we didn't know this area didn't being past tense you know we, we had such an adventure just figuring out things that were in my backyard essentially You know, the the adventure was we didn't know something and we left knowing so much.
1: That's a great perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there was endless possibility to what we were pursuing. Right? You know, um, as after that, after that pig hunt, you you started venturing into. I kind of think I want to go deer hunting. I kind of think I want to go bear hunting. I kind of think I want to do turkey hunting. And this turkey hunt as good generalist outdoorsman, serves multiple purposes, right? You, me, we, we take after our father in that as the seasons change, we we, we we pursue that next season's offerings. Whereas a lot of people, they wake up each and every day and they're a turkey hunter. Each and every day, they're a forester. Each and every day, they're a trapper. And they have that like core thing. And, and you and I probably still have those core things, but we're very seasonal human beings.
2: For sure. I, I, I'll get burned out on something real quick.
1: You know, I don't necessarily get burnt out on things real quick. I think I think right about, and this might just be happenstance, perhaps there's something biological to this. I, maybe it's a learned behavior. I don't know. But about the time a season ends, I'm kind of starting feeling ready for the others. You know, deer season's a five-month season. I'm always always kind of enjoying the different phases of deer season because it's such a long thing and because it straddles multiple kind of calendar year changes for me I have no problem with it being there but about the time the tail end of deer season I'm thinking god dude it's gonna be great to chase turkeys about the tail end of turkeys god it's gonna be great to go after redfish about the end of redfish god it's gonna be great for deer season you know like there's that that seasonal change that I think I have so being such a generalist outdoorsman making the most of one season, but also building a foundation for the next season is, is huge. I mean, it's a big deal. We found great deer sign. We found good bear, bear sign. We found good food sources, travel corridors, all kinds of cool stuff that we found. And I think it's going to help us build into those coming seasons. But my question for you is, having experienced turkey hunting, what, what, Im- what impression, what impact did that leave on you?
2: Um, it left me with a big bug. <laughs> like, I am all about it. And I've spent the, I guess, last two nights, one night, uh, dreaming about it, and I mean that literally. <laughs> <laughs> like I have turkey hunted as much in my dreams as I have in real life right now.
1: Yeah, well, that'll change with time. But <laughs> actually, it'll yeah. just get it'll just get disproportionately that way. Actually, unfortunately. For sure. Um. But but what what struck you about turkey hunting? You've been deer hunting before. Now now, granted, you haven't been. You know, all those things we talked about. We're going to get into uh, together as, as this progresses, um, you haven't done it the way we're going to do it, but what, going into turkey hunting, what did you expect and coming out of it? How did, you know, how did that impact affect your expectations?
2: It was everything I expected, but everything. So I'll put it this way. It went down more successful than I expected, but as I expected, um, but more so. Like I expected, we'd have interactions with birds. I didn't realize how much fun and how much interaction with birds we have. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like everything happened the way I had hoped for, but it was even more so. It was great. It was it was it was awesome. Like actually, kind of unfairly cool.
1: I I have to say I think you were pretty spoiled for your first turkey hunt. We got on. Uh, a bird that put on a show three different on three different occasions. We almost got him. Uh, spoiler: We didn't. Uh, I guess that's burying the lead there. But um, you know, I, we talked
2: to that bird so much, though.
1: We what? We
2: talked to that bird so much. Oh my gosh! Like you answered to us so much. I, I I I would. I'm so happy with how it turned out. So I, happy.
1: I think I think you and I ended up ended this this hunt saying, aside from having shot birds. Like, you could not have asked for much better of an experience.
2: Exactly. You, everything fell into place except that final, you know, push to get the bird. Um, it, it was awesome. It really – every box was ticked except graduate, uh, getting a bird.
1: Right, which will come with time. Yeah, it will, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you still have three weeks of your season left. My season – more or less is going to consist of about two days left, uh, in in middle May. You've, you've got three weeks worth of of hunting left or two and a half weeks worth of hunting to go. And I'm kind of optimistic for you because the area we found, uh, adding to the sense of adventure, the area that we found, uh, seems to show very little sign of any human use. It's, you know, uh, we've we found a key spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this, this bird now we've, we've named this bird, the mountain monarch, um, one of, one of the reasons for that is he, he has this little castle on the top of the hill where he roosts and by hill it's a mountain um, and uh, and so this little roost that he's got is virtually unapproachable in every direction um, he can see down in, underneath you know the, these these trees kind of painting the picture for you guys think of a, of a 25 2600 foot peak uh, and and below it's about uh, 18, 1900 square, uh, 18, eighteen to 1,900 feet of elevation, and between the top and the bottom is very, very little. It's a very mature uh, canopy with very little sunlight hitting the forest floor, and as a result, you can see a country mile down there. And so when he's at the top, I mean, he can see pretty much in every direction. And even despite that, Duncan and I managed to put this hellacious strategic move around the mountain, up the steepest part of the mountain, bust over the top and still get within 50 yards of him. And honest, honestly, if we could have just decided where to set up a touch sooner, we probably would have killed that bird. I mean, he was coming to us. We hadn't even called. We just, you know, just walking through the leaves. He knew a, a hen was in the area because we had been calling to him. Um, but as we We were trying, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Right on a string. I mean, it it, is remarkable. Um, but adding to that sense of adventure, we could pretty much go any direction we wanted to for, for miles and not have to worry about property lines or running out of habitat or running out of turkeys. Um, granted there's not a lot of them, but the turkeys were there and there was no one else. So it was, you know, a higher ratio, um, I, I enjoyed it, dude. I, I thought that that was – let me ask you this. Are you are you impressed or underwhelmed with the amount of strategy that goes into, like, trying to get on a bird?
2: So, impressed but not surprised. Right. Yeah. You know, real quick, to circle back, you said we were spoiled when that hunt. You know, we definitely – we got lucky, and we were to some degree spoiled. We did put in the foot miles to get to that bird, though it wasn't like we walked in the woods and the bird was there i want to go on i want to circle to that how many miles did we walk
1: 22.3 miles
2: yeah we, we we didn't just pop into the woods and have this bird we did have to put the footwork in it.
1: oh yeah dude we're talking harder earned birds i mean don't get me wrong there are harder earned birds but this you're right we did paint this as like we just walked into the woods um we started our hunt midday saturday we ended it midday tuesday and every minute of that was hiking up up you know mountain faces and 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 you know down logging roads and dropping down feet in elevation over and over again i think by sunday afternoon i think by sunday we said we had covered like what 12 miles already yep. in a day yeah, and a half the
2: bulk of the the bulk of the movement was sunday yeah and we didn't count what we moved on saturday
1: no, and we didn't. We weren't even. We weren't even using the trackers then. So I mean, it, it, uh-huh. it's probably a touch further. You know, it w- with what we did Saturday, it's entirely possible that we actually probably br- broke somewhere around the 24, 25 mark. And, um, you know, I'm in no good shape. So it was. It was a lot of work. Um, our, yeah, my legs are you. still really tired.
2: Yeah, everything on me is tired, man. Yeah. I had twelve hours of sleep last night, and I woke up exhausted.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, and they were harder earned birds. I I wondered. I was worried that the. Uh, the amount of strategy in it would be overwhelming. In that, it seemed like every time you would grab onto a rule, I'd be like, "Okay, so in general, they're gonna, you know, we're gonna prepare for him to do it, do this here." And then we get to another scenario, and you'd be like, "Okay, he's gonna come here." I'm like, mm, "No, because of this." Um, I-, I love turkey hunting for that because, to me, um, and it's been said many times before, turkey hunting is a game of chess. It's war. Uh-huh. It's war.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, no. The the bird wants everything to do with a hen and nothing to do with you. Right. And you really have to. You really have to change his mind on that.
1: Yeah, and we did twice.
2: <laughs> yeah, we did. We did twice, and then he found out it was us.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the ugliest looking hen he'd ever laid eyes on. <laughs> Walter was up front. <laughs> you <Yes, right. laughs> never seen a hen with a bird a beard before? That, that, yeah. Well, they exist. Bearded hens definitely exist. Uh, do they really? Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. They're normally really small beards and the birds are not any prettier than normal, but uh, there's a genetic variation with, with hen turkey. You guys are getting a rare glimpse right now into just how how raw Duncan is in the turkey hunting community, right? Like that's something that's commonplace knowledge. And and so I think, I don't say that to rub your nose in it. That's like a, I, I want everybody to know, like the first time you ever went turkey hunting uh, that weekend, we got on a bird that was so hot that one, one morning alone, we both agree he gobbled at least a hundred times.
2: We don't have to agree. It's on
1: footage. It's true. It's true. There's a 45-minute clip before we made the first move of him just hammering from uh, 30 minutes before shooting light. Literally, from 30 minutes before shooting light, like 545, to when we busted him at like 945. I don't think that bird shut up once.
2: No, it, it was every 15 to 20 seconds he was gobbling.
1: It was unreal. But he was on that perch, and he could look down in every direction. And the natural order of things, as you now know, is we go to him... And, uh, when, when we wouldn't, he wasn't coming off that perch, but it does explain why once we got on his level, he suddenly was just, once we got inside his bubble, which was, was an interesting discussion, uh, piece that you and I had, uh, what was a turkey's bubble, right? It's that, that how close do you have to get to that bird before he'll respond? And the day before, when we set up on him and he was almost 200 yards away, his bubble was 200 yards. He was off that perch by, by the, the following morning, his bubble was 75 yards, dude.
2: If that, we were 75 yards from the bird, he wouldn't come to us. Uh, it was smaller than that. Yeah. And, and,
1: and, I, and it was interesting because, like, you were like, why do you think he did that? And I would I would say, you know, oh, the moon, oh, the wind, oh, the Coriolis effect. And you'd look at me and be like, wait, how does the Coriolis effect impact turkeys? You know, and it was that like. really
2: bothered me. I was, it took, actually, it, no, it took me a good 30 seconds to try to figure out, do I really know what the Coriolis effect <laughs> yeah. is? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's random. It's unpredictable. I mean, the bird, one of the lear- lessons we learned was, and, and both of us learned, right. I'm, I'm a relatively, this is my second full-time turkey season. I'm blessed to have killed one bird and pulled the trigger a second time. Um, you know, I never dreamed these birds would go up the hillsides, the mountainsides, uh, the way that they did. I assume they would side hill. I would assume they'd use logging roads, and I can honestly say that turkeys just give no f's about what direction they're going in the mountains. And I guess if you think about it, I mean, eventually they're going to get tired of taking trails when they can just walk. I mean, they they walk the mountain every dangum day. I mean, this is just what they do.
2: Yeah, no, it's just yeah, you know, walking through their backyard for them.
1: Right, Duncan, you said it best. One day you said, "Dude, those mountain birds are just built different. They just walk straight up the side of the mountain. They they don't care. It's it's kind of." Um, it's it's funny though because then certain parts of the of the uh, logging roads become strut zones for them.
2: Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. It, it, random. The, the birds have uh, a way of doing it their own, and you would be very lucky to figure it out to a T.
1: Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. The yeah. bird
2: knows why, and that's it. Yeah.
1: And and it, he knows why now. <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. it, <laughs> it, Give it give it two hours, and he may not know why.
2: <laughs> or give it's a 12 it d- minutes from what we saw it, from what we saw give it 15 minutes
1: yeah yeah that day he was ready to die for sure um yeah he was so what what you know i guess y- y- you are you're still learning turkey call you're in the fundamentals of turkey calling um you you got some locator calls now that that obviously are working really good we learned uh the the value of the red tail hawk and the pileated woodpecker the the bird all the time uh both the days when he was hot and the days when he was not, uh, those two seem to really draw from him uh, gobbles. Um, so much so that on the mountainside, we both <laughs> both logged into Amazon <laughs> and, bought, and bought calls. Um, but w- what did you learn about turkey hunting that you're going to apply? Because you told me you're going to be hunting the rest of the season. What did you learn on that trip? that, that What were your big takeaways that you're going to apply to turkey hunting moving forward?
2: Um, that I'm not going to try and judge where a bird's coming from by ease of path. I'm going to look at ease of path, and then I'm going to look at the quickest route, and those are the two spots I'm going to be watching. And I'm also going to find the route that looks like he would not go there at all for no reason and watch there too.
0: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> like, if there's a way for that bird to come from behind me, even if it means he's climbing three different mountains, I'm going to be watching behind me. Um, yeah, you said what were the biggest takeaways. Uh, oh, where they want to roost, man they want to be as high as they can get it and out on those overlooks.
1: That's a good point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Where, where I'm going to start trying to find birds in the morning. is going to be when I can look on Onyx and find that, that type of terrain. I'm not going to be trying to find where they're going to be feeding. I'm not going to be trying to find where they're going to be traveling. I'm going to look where they're roosting. Cause we know exactly what they like on that.
1: You, you know, that kind of, that kind of makes sense. Um, I think that's, I think that's an excellent part, point to start. um, Especially for you, I think on the mountainside, it's going to be very difficult to isolate where they're, where they're feeding, right? Like where they're going. Because yeah, it was, it's yeah. very clear that these birds aren't leaving the heavy timber and walking three miles to get to a field. There may be birds using that field, but I don't think the birds we were hunting were the same birds that were there. They may do some crossover. They may do some hellacious walking but uh-huh. the, the, that Tom that we hunted for three days straight, he never left that core area. Now, that core area was quite large, um, but it was all heavy timber. Um, yes. And and, and and he went some places that if he had just walked in a straight path, he could have got to fields and better properties. But he was there for a reason. I have a feeling it do, has to do with the fact it was more open and he could see further. Um, Although, there was,
2: granted, there were... There were hours at a time that he was gone that we have no idea where he was.
1: It, and it is true. I mean, in all theory, in all seriousness, he could have um, he, he he could have uh, you know been in those fields. I mean, it's entirely possible. I I happen to think he wasn't going that far because you know we would see him on the mountain that morning. Uh, midday, we'd hit him in the bottom, and um, you know four hours later he'd be back on the mountain top. I, I think he just, as much as I hate to say, turkeys don't have a you know super big pattern. He he kind of had a. A pretty similar a weird, routine.
2: Weirdly, uh, routine, like you said, the word routine is the best way yeah. to put it. Wouldn't call it a pattern, but he just seemed to have a uh, uh, wake up, mouthwash, and go get coffee routine.
1: Right. Yep. That's that. That is that. That you just hit the nail on the head there for sure. Um, what else was there anything else that you that you took away from that?
2: Oh man, I took away so many things. I could I could write it down, and you know, I'll be here for an hour. I, I learned.
1: What about gear? Let's talk about I gear because. Cause you were hunting out of like a Jansport backpack moving forward. Obviously maybe Heck not yeah, for this. Was...
2: <laughs> what? Said the trick is real, man. Heck yeah.
1: <laughs> um, going into next year, what do you think? Cause you do a lot of hiking. You cover a lot of ground. It's not like hunting Florida. What kind of gear do you think? How are you going to outfit yourself for the coming year?
2: Um, for Turkey? Yeah. Chest rig. Okay. I'm running a chest rig. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I never felt the need to have a, uh, after we started kicking out spots to sit, Uh, I never felt a need to have a, um, a pad to sit on, so I don't, I'm not worried about that at all. Um, so chest rig and that's all, I'm going as light as I can, uh, absolutely as light as I can.
1: I I could see that. I I think that makes total sense. Um, I, I think there's maybe a way that you could, uh, make a, like, I I think there's some crossover that could be had, right? Like, I I think, I think there are some sling packs out there that make a lot of sense for this kind of hunting um where you know they cross over you you got a, a water hydration bladder but it's uh-huh. off to the side it's lightweight uh-huh. it's small um
2: it's satchel.
1: exactly that yeah yeah um because you're you're also going to need and i think this is an interesting uh phenomenon that you're going to experience you're also going to need um storage because in the early season you're going to be dealing with cold weather that warms up and you're going to mm-hmm. you're going to be sitting for a long time and then not sitting for a long time and um, you're going to need a layering system. And so you're going to need a storage location for that layering system. And so I think what I think my prediction for you is you're going to end up using a lot of the same, um, hunting gear for turkeys that you would for deer, with just very small, um, uh-huh. modifications.
2: Uh, uh-huh. I, uh, I think I'll end up packing some fishing gear with me too. Cause we, we walked a good ways back in there and if there's nothing going on, I don't want to waste that walk.
1: Boy, we telling. were
2: all around. We were around some premium trout water, some pr- yeah. premium trout water. Yeah. And I could, you know, spend that midday cooling off and fishing and then get back to hiking and see what I can find in the afternoon. So I'll probably end up finding some form that I can get a packable rod back in there and do a little Tinkara fly fishing back there.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%, without a doubt. I think that's I think that's one way to, to – an absolute – I'll tell you what, man, to be honest with you, that's actually a brilliant way for us to go about – um our pursuits in the future because midday when those birds shut up we could just go tinker car rod the the you know the the creeks and streams catch some fish have a good time relax put our feet yep. in the cold water you know yep. rest our hell take strip down and rest your legs entirely in the cold water yep. and then three four yep. o'clock rolls around go strike a bird up again
2: yep that, that's kind of what I, it hit me yesterday after you had left that that's really where it would have been at Um, that's like, if you, if you had asked me the question, you hadn't, so I'll go ahead and do your job. If you had asked me the question, um, what, what would I have done to make this better? Instead of us hitting a midday slump, I would have packed stuff for us to go fishing.
1: Yeah. You know, Uh, I I I don't, I don't know that. I think in hindsight, that's easy to say, but I think in reality, if you look at what we did and how much we had to do, midday within the same conversation, the same breath we said earlier, had we been in better shape, those midday opportunities should have been Truth. more scouting.
2: Truth. You're you right. know, I, You're I,
1: right. I I, think, I think it, there's a hundred different ways you could skin the cat. And I could totally see a world where we bomb off into an area where we know there's fishing, take the tenkara rods and go, but I don't necessarily know that uh, in any of those cases we would have felt good enough. I think the only world in which we'd feel good enough to take the rods would have been when we knew where enough birds were where we weren't worried uh-huh. about trying to go find them. That is just like, okay, yep. they're good in the yep. morning, they're good mid afternoon in that time frame when which they're not. Let's go fish. Ooh, got to edit that No, on. I agree. That's you got
2: to watch that one, bud. I mean, seriously. I, I've, I've done a great job of keeping that under control. Yeah, that's not God. easy for me. You think walter has got a foul mouth? I beat him hands down so I'm really
1: working that right now yeah dude you're doing a better job (laughs) you know I I think uh yeah I think I think there's a lot of lessons to be take to to, to take away from that I'm I'm thinking about coming up uh with a little bit lighter rig uh next year I'm trying to find a rig and this may just not be possible but I'm trying to find a rig that would work really good for turkeys but then we could cross have more crossover and be able to pack out a deer because we're definitely not dragging one out of there and I think the end result answer is I just need to find a dedicated, lightweight turkey rig and then just take my elk pack whenever we go deer hunting so that I can pack that meat out. Because it just the needs between the two. There's just there's too much, you know, like a uh, a frame pack is going to weigh too much to to bring a deer out at, for turkey hunting per se. You
2: know, we can always bring a designated big pack and leave it in one of those saddles and just have it for That's when true. we want supplies. We can go back there, grab our lunch, eat, and then, you know, say we do get a deer. We can, you know, come back, grab the pack, go get the deer. This kind is true. Of thing. We yeah. don't necessarily. We can have a uh, miniature base camp, essentially, that is just portable, drop the bag and go kind of thing.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, that's a fo- a solid follow up. So, moving forward, do you think that? Yeah, I kind of postulated this question before, but uh, do you think that turkey hunting is going to eat into your springtime fishing at all?
2: No, because they. One, I think we just figured out. I, I found a way to. To uh, blend the, the two. two. Yeah. Yeah, blend the two. And then the, uh, the mid season up here is kind of hairy from what we decided. And going into that, it could be the opposite, but we think it's kind of the hairy. So I'll be able to do a little more fishing early season for uh, turkey. And then by the time I start to slow down on my fishing as summer rolls around, early spring or late spring, early summer, we'll really start to pick up turkey high.
1: Yeah, I, I actually, I can see a world now where you will start combining. Um, you're, you um, fishing and hunting together because if you got, if you had the right pack, that 10 rod slips right in there, you can fish midday, you turkey hunt till 10 o'clock, you fish from 10 to one, then you go home and it's day. Um, yeah. I, I can see, um, I can see a pretty good blend and, and I will see this. The, the deer hunting, the turkey hunting from a certain perspective gets better. I, I, you said something, and I just want to clarify it. The turkey hunting from a certain perspective gets better as the season progresses, and that is the birds aren't as henned up. However, I've killed two birds already in two seasons that should have been quote unquote henned up. And the reason why I would be hesitant to say it's better than it's not is if you know where the birds are and, and, and you stay on top of those birds, first off, your population is so low, it's not going to take them long to not be henned up, frankly, in my opinion. Secondly, I think it's also important to remember that at any point in time, a bobcat, a hunter, a trail bike rider, a motorcycle, uh, a coyote busts up a flock in the afternoon, and that tom isn't able to link back up with the hens right away. And so, in my case, I had a tom that I killed this year and, and last year that were both very clearly away from the group. He was gobbling. There was another group further down in the holler. He was just broke up in a way and he was very vulnerable in that in that moment so um you know i would caution you to right off the beginning of the year i think it would be a very good time of year for you still so i just wanted to you know put that in the back of your mind
2: at the same time i won't be nearly as heartbroken if i miss a few weeks of that correct right i'd be real heartbroken to miss the time that i'm in right now sure especially when you weigh in the weather and the weather for this trip was oh my god unbelievably perfect it was barely 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 chilly in the mornings and midday was you know warm
1: at best. Yeah it really it really was pretty great man. I think um I think uh, I think a little earlier it would have been maybe a bit um yeah would have been maybe a bit better from the standpoint of I think you would have had a little bit cooler weather and then as a little bit cooler weather maybe you you'd have a little more activity midday cuz it did get pretty hot and those birds kind of shut down midday. Um but I mean, that's all, that's all stuff we're going to learn. You know, we, some people are like, man, I wish you gotten a bird. And it's like, dude, I hadn't, first off, I had an absolute blast with my little brother. Secondly, I, I should not have in year two as a turkey hunter struck off to a totally different geographic area with elevation that I've never had to encounter before and have, and been, have ex, been expected to walk away with a bird. That should have never been the expectation. The fact that we had three hair-raising encounters where we almost killed a bird, I had one of them at 12 freaking feet. That right there is an amazing hunt. I learned things. I didn't make stupid boneheaded mistakes. And and for me, anytime I can go into the woods, learn something, have a good time, laugh as much as we laughed. Good Lord.
2: Oh, my God. We We spent the entire trip either laughing or or heavily breathing because we're fat it's true (laughs) it was like the majority of the trip was laughing on the mountainside or dying on the mountainside there was not much of a middle ground no
1: there really wasn't and and he's not lying it was it was a lot of both i mean it was um it it was a lot of fun i feel like we've said that a hundred times i don't want to bore people but it, it was a lot of fun to be able to get into the woods uh, especially share this moment with you, um, as, oh, you know, yeah. as an aspiring turkey hunter for you to have, uh, as awesome an adventure as you did. I mean, good Lord. Couldn't have asked for it to be any better. Honestly, I don't think so. Um, so, so I leave you with this. Um, what are your expectations? What do you want to do between now and next turkey season so that you're ready for turkey season?
2: Uh, I want to a more than anything, familiarize myself with these mountains uh, I don't necessarily want to be a really good fisherman or a really good hunter. I, I I really like the idea and always have of being a really well-rounded outdoorsman. That's what you know, kind of keeps drawing me back to hunting too. Um, so I really want to familiarize myself with these woods, kind of kind of narrow down more spots for us, but also really get to know the spots we we explored, um, and really work on my calling.
1: Yeah, that definitely needs some help.
2: Yeah, it
1: does. But, uh, but and I don't mean that from a derogatory sense. I mean, I mean genuinely, that's something that takes a lot of people, a lot of time. I've, while I'm only a serious turkey hunter for the last, I don't know, uh, two two seasons. I can tell you that for specifically two seasons. That doesn't mean that I didn't have the, the 10 years of playing with calls that I had there during that time. And, and I'm lucky to have had some really great turkey hunters invest in me as a turkey caller. And so I, I've improved. But, uh, you know, you it, it takes time to learn how those calls work. I think you should look into the Turkey Tech app. I don't know if I told you about well, I that. Okay. I already have it. Yep. Scott Ellis has a phenomenal mm-hmm. platform. In fact, I recommend that to anybody who's listening right now who wants to improve Best their turkey. Yeah, dude, it's it's unreal. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying it because he's a great guy mm-hmm. as well. He's got uh, a bunch of material out there. Um, but yeah, I think if you do that, dude, I, I think a couple mobile rigs for you and I with a little bit of packability uh, to stuff some stuff. I mean, I think uh, I think you guys should should anticipate seeing some some shenanigans from the North Georgia mountains.
2: Oh, for sure. I, I, I think we've already planned that we do that pig hunt again. And we do this turkey hunt again. I think we're trying to do a uh, deer or bear hunt this fall too, right?
1: That's right. Yep.
2: Yeah. So, uh, look forward to hearing lots more goofy stories about the mountains. I guess.
1: That's it. That's it.
2: What did you learn by chasing turkeys in the mountains that you will then take and apply in taking and chasing uh, turkeys in Florida? It's
1: a great question, man. I, I really, I struggle to, to answer that because the, the the two areas are so contrastingly. I mean, just. So starkly contrasted that it's very difficult for me to try and be like, oh, what I would do is X or how it applies is this. And I think one of the things that um, maybe is unconventional, Maybe maybe it's right in line with what people would expect me to say, I don't know, but I now have two locator calls that I didn't expect uh-huh. to have prior to this. You know, we had a, a real big conversation. In fact, day one, I told you for, and this just shows, you know, how you can get stuck in a, in a, in a rut. You were like, should I bring my crow call I'm like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. They don't respond to crows because in my area, they don't respond to crows. I've, I've heard one time, one time I've gotten a response in in several seasons using a crow call to get them to respond. But in the mountains, Every time you touch that thing, not literally, but it seemed like it. Every time you touch that thing, he would go off. Down here, the alcohol is gold. Every time I, every time I use the alcohol, I get, I get responses. It, again, hyperbole. It's not every time, mm-hmm. but you know, up there we didn't get a single response. And and so now, not a
2: single one.
1: No. And so when I come home and I'm and I'm assessing my gear, I'm like, okay, how often times do I use two different pot calls? I can't remember using two different pot calls in a a hunt. So maybe i leave one of those at home. How many different times do I use more than the two strikers that I've got? I've got four in my vest. I'm going to leave two of those at home. And instead, I'm going to start, I think, honing in my system. I've got a bunch of mouth calls that that replace a lot of those multiple striker ideas, the multiple Uh friction call ideas. I think I'm going to start moving into the direction of being equipped with the tools to make that gobbler talk again. The game of chess, the war game, making that wow. gobbler talk without telling him I'm a hen. That was absolutely vital paramount. It, it was it was the reason why we got that really incredible last encounter with that turkey was because we were able to check in and ping on him where uh-huh. he was as we made that big move because at any point in time he could have moved and and the whole maneuver would have changed. You were able to hit him over and over again and get those crows to talk and we spooked that that red-tailed hawk and we spooked that pileated woodpecker and every time we did that that bird told us where he was without us trying, you know, without drawing too much attention to ourselves. And I think
2: <laughs> It worked almost identically to how a sonar works. Yes. You know, we pinged, he pinged, and we knew exactly where he was, and he didn't know we knew where he was.
1: Yep. Every time.
2: It it, it made everything we do, we did, possible. Yes, I agree. Without it, we, we heard him gobble in the morning, and we would have lost that bird pretty quick.
1: I, I, wholeheartedly, I, I honestly think had he not responded, had you not had the crow call, had you not been able to get him to uh, talk that the way that you did, I genuinely believe, um, we don't even like have close, like uh, remotely as good an encounter with him because we would have been wondering the whole time where he was. And I think we would have blown over that top too quickly or, or, or worse. I think we may have, called too high on the on the ridge and we wouldn't have been able to hear them coming up you know i mean it was just it it was i can't express it enough it was absolutely paramount that we had that locating option
2: we were so close to getting that bird we were so close i mean like 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 close enough that i'm not even angry we didn't get that bird we had no we
1: had no business at any point in time getting that close to birds over and over again like we did
2: no we really, really did not. It was, it was, it's spoiled me rotten. I, I, I've been dreaming about that, and I've been dreaming about fake hunts ever since.
1: Well, I, I think, I think, had we killed, let's say, let's say we had different birds, right? Had we killed both times that we had those close encounters, people would be going, "Dang, dude, like that guy's kind of legit, right?" Like, if they <laughs> knew the full story, <laughs> you know, they'd be like, "These guys, they know what to do." Uh, we, we we it happened the best way that it should have happened, which was not killing the bird.
2: Yeah, no, I I, I wouldn't have. Uh, I don't think I'd be nearly as into this now as I would if um. Let me think. How I say this. You I'm wouldn't be tired, nearly as so hooked weird. if
1: if you hadn't had such hair raising encounters.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like when you're you're fishing, and you lose a big fish. Mm. It might ruin your day. It's ruined some of mine, but it made me come back to that spot. I came back to that spot and never hooked that fish again, but I still go back to those spots. And I think that's kind of what turkey hunting is going to be for me. I agree. I, I really it was, do. It, it's one of those things when you lose something at the landing net, man, you, you never forget it. Mm-hmm. And we really did lose those birds at the landing net. It spit the hook right there both times. I know. It was close. Too much fun. It really was. It really was. It was awesome.
1: Well, guys, the good news is you're going to hear more from my little brother. Uh, we're going to be going on more misadventures. We're going to have more learning experiences. We're going to bring it all to you guys, raw and unfiltered, and obviously uh, with curse words involved. But, uh <laughs> Are we not editing the videos? Oh no, we're editing the videos for sure. Um, oh my I, god, <laughs> it's no. gonna sound like Morse
2: code in the videos.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, it was something, guys. But, anyways, I appreciate you guys tuning in, and Duncan. I appreciate you hosting me and, and and going on this adventure. It was an absolute blast. But. To everybody who's listening to this right now who's thinking, wow, turkey hunting sounds like it could be fun, it is. Get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. We are doing everything we can to motivate you, equip you, help you pursue the outdoors on a routine basis. Don't just deer hunt. Don't just turkey hunt. Don't just bass fish. Get out there and enjoy everything because there's a world of opportunity out there for you, and it's an amazing time. Memories last a lifetime. So until next time, guys, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.
0: Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.